This is the Activate Podcast with Pastor Christian Newsom. In this week's podcast, if you have Jesus in your system, if you have Jesus in your spirit, you're going to change where you place your security. You're going to change how you see things. You're going to change how you live, but you can't do it without him. Welcome to or welcome back to the Activate Podcast, a ministry of Journey Church International in Lee Summit, Missouri. My name is Brandon, and today I will be having a conversation with Pastor Christian. Uh, We are wrapping up our series entitled Letters from Jesus, and we will be taking a closer look at Jesus' letter to the church at Laodicea found in Revelation chapter 3. And we're going to learn how we can activate that into our lives this week. Let's jump right in today, Pastor Christian. In the letter to the church at Laodicea, Jesus is revealed as the amen, the faithful and true witness. We learn that we can believe that Jesus came from God to connect us to God through his life and teaching. Pastor Christian, honestly, I don't believe there are many people out there that would argue that the person of Jesus did not exist. But what people may argue was that Jesus was truly the Son of God. You mentioned that Jesus had four specific witnesses to the fact that he was the Son of God. Can you walk us through how you might use these four witnesses to help you have a conversation with someone who would say, I believe Jesus existed, but I don't believe he was the Son of God? Well, yeah, so that, <clears throat> so that statement that you believe Jesus existed, but you don't believe uh, he was the Son of God, um, that, that's not an option. Jesus does not give you that option. Uh, right, C.S. Lewis says you can't believe that Jesus was just a good teacher, but that he wasn't the Messiah because he taught that he was the Messiah. Uh, so, so Jesus was either a liar because he claimed to come from God, he claimed to go to God, he claimed to be from God, he claimed to connect people from God. He's either a liar or he's a lunatic, uh, which means he wasn't lying. He really believed it, but he was just crazy. Or he's Lord of all. Th- those are your only three options. Jesus is a liar. Jesus was a lunatic, or Jesus truly was Lord of all. And Jesus even said in the text we read this week in John chapter 5, listen, I I won't testify about myself, right? I mean, he knew in Jewish law that's not how it worked, that you had to have at least three witnesses, so he provided four. So he said, don't believe me based on me, believe John. Uh, John, who had this pretty publicly supernatural event around his conception and his birth that so many of the priests would have seen, everyone in his hometown would have seen his dad healed when he finally decided to name him John because an angel told him to name him John. You had the miracles that he did. Uh, if he was a lunatic, uh, he was a benevolent one. He, he was a really, really good lunatic who helped a lot of people because he did a lot, he did a lot of things um, that natural people can't do. He did supernatural things. Uh, he said, you can believe God who spoke from heaven at his baptism and his transfiguration, literally thundered the words from heaven. This is my son in whom I am well pleased. Uh, it is transfiguration. He would say, listen to him. Uh, or he said, you can believe the scriptures. There's these thousands of year, uh, thousand year old documents that have prophecies about the Messiah, the Savior, who will come from God. Go check my life and see if I fill those. Uh, you can believe with certainty that Jesus came from God because you look at those four things and you say, uh, okay, he's he's not a liar and he's not a lunatic, so he really must be Lord of all. There really are supernatural circumstances surrounding his life, and there were no less than five people willing to sign basically a legal affidavit um, that signed their death warrant. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and the Apostle Paul, 
um, all basically said, I'll put my name on all those things being true, even though it even though it will cost me my life. So when someone says, um, you know, I, well, I just I don't believe in Jesus. I, I say, hey, you you got my attention. You've got my respect. Why should I why should I believe you? Why should I agree with you? Uh, and most often, as a matter of fact, every time um, they do not have the credibility behind them that Jesus does behind him. So I continue to choose Jesus. Well, uh, like we've done in every one of uh, our messages this this series, we've we've discovered something about Jesus, but we've also uncovered something about our heart. And uncovered in the heart of the church at Laodicea was that their spiritual temperature was useless. Um, you stated that that was the situation. Uh, Jesus told them that he knew their actions, and they were neither hot nor cold. They were lukewarm. Uh, can you take a moment and talk about the danger for Christians of being lukewarm? Yeah, when, so when you look at what was happening in Laodicea, you know, Jesus referred to them like their water source. All right, they had a water source six miles north that were boiling hot springs that could be used because of the temperature and the sulfur in them, very much like the Dead Sea, that, you know, they had healing qualities, they had ointment in them. But by the time they would run six miles downhill to Laodicea, they had lost all their effectiveness. They had cold springs uh, 10 miles to the east in Colossae, where the book of Colossians was written to, that had great refreshment uh, offered in them for a, for a long day's work that by the time they flowed to Laodicea were kind of worthless. So the water's natural state wasn't lukewarm. The water's natural state was hot or it was cold. But by the time it had drifted, slowly drifted to the point where it was in Laodicea, it had become useless. And a lot of Christians don't start off spiritually lukewarm. They start off, they start off very spiritually hot, but they just kind of slowly drift to where they are today. If you ask most Christians, how'd you get to where you are spiritually today? Most will say, I just kind of ended up here. I just, I, I just was along for the ride and this is where I have ended up on this day of my life spiritually. They have drifted from the source of Jesus because they don't keep returning to him, um, for the refreshment that they need, the healing that they need, the fire and the zeal that they need. So that, that's one way that we can see these Christians being lukewarm, that they might have drifted. Another way is that they were just, maybe they were just lazy human beings. Uh, in the Talmud, which is a Jewish document written between 200 BC and 500 AD, the Talmud actually calls out the Jews living in Laodicea for being lazy, useless people. Uh, they know there were at least seven, 7,500 men, Jewish men, living in Laodicea, which means a Jewish community in Laodicea may have been 20,000 people. Often, Christian churches started in synagogues, so it could have been that these very kind of lazy, worthless um, Jewish people just became lazy, worthless people who went to a Christian church. We're not even sure anyone at this church was saved based on the invitation that Jesus gave them. So it could have just been a characteristic trait uh, of their lives, too, and because they never fully connected to Jesus— they were never truly energized. You say, what's the danger of being lukewarm? Uh, you don't fulfill your spiritual purpose. You know, Ephesians 2 says we've all been saved by faith, and that was a gift from God, but we've been saved unto good works, which God prepared us before the beginning of the world. If we're lukewarm, we don't fulfill those. We don't experience the fullness of our relationship with Jesus. We're told that the thief, Satan, comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but that Jesus has come to give us life and to give it more abundantly, to give us life to the full. 
if we're lukewarm, we never experience that life to the full. We don't impact people around us like we should. Um, you know, we should be salt. We should be light. We should provide good flavor to the lives of people around us. We, we should provide direction to the people around us. If we're lukewarm, we don't provide that. As a matter of fact, we might negatively impact some people spiritually. They might look at us and say, if that's what Christianity is, or if that's all Christianity does for your life, uh, why should I give it a try? There's nothing attractive in Christianity. Uh, and I, I have noticed a lot of lukewarm Christians that get bitter at people who are hot spiritually, and they try to pull them back. They ridicule them. They stand on the sidelines, um, you know, and kind of make fun of people who seem to just be all in for Jesus, they would be more comfortable if everyone were lukewarm. So I, I think they hold back the spiritual temperature of churches. If you have too many lukewarm people in it, those who are hot stand out. Um, and if they're not in, if they're not in leadership leading the church, usually they get out because it's uncomfortable for them to be in a, in a lukewarm room because their temperature keeps trying to be pulled back to the temperature of the room. Let's take a look at the second key truth from Sunday's message. And it was this. There are some people who go to church who are not Christians. Um, Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 13, um, he says that we should examine ourselves. You provided uh, this past Sunday a simple tool to help us appropriately examine ourselves. I'd like to walk through uh, a little bit um, the for our podcast listeners these three these three things. Uh, you stated that real Christianity changes three things about your life. The first one is this: what you place your security in. Uh, the question I have for you, Pastor Christian, is this: is what is the question we should ask ourselves to reveal what we place our security in? Yeah, so just to be clear, these were Jesus. This were, these were Jesus instructions. This was Jesus test. These were Jesus three areas, right? Not not my three areas. I did not create this out of the text. I'm teaching our people what Jesus taught the church at Laodicea, and the first area that Jesus touched on was was this area of security in a wealthy society, which the United States of America or our church is. Um, you know that the almost everyone in the United States of America is in the top two percent of global earners of wealth. I mean, we, we live in a very, very wealthy society. Laodicea was a wealthy society. It had a huge banking industry um, there. A lot of people kept their money there, got money from there. Uh, it, was a mo- it was a money market. It was one of the Wall Streets of Asia. Uh, and in a wealthy society, money can become security. And it had for the people in Laodicea. Jesus told the believers, you don't, you, you're, you're rich. I mean, you are. You, you have a lot of money, so you don't think you need anything. But that very thing, the thing that doesn't make you dependent upon me, is going to be the thing that's going to cause you to mourn. It's going to be the thing that causes your spiritual poverty. You have no dependence on me. So it's it's easy to put our security in something other than Jesus. And when we don't have to be dependent upon him, often we aren't. How do we know if we've got security in something other than Jesus? Let me tell you how I learned that lesson for me. I don't know that I can answer that for everyone, but I know what what has happened in my life. Several years ago, we were getting ready to do our first building project, and I was scared to death. Our church was going great. We had money in the bank. But man, why should we build all this money to to build a building? Why can't we just keep having church in the school? We can we can have all the ministry that we have on Sunday and the security of having something to fall back on if something that goes goes wrong. I mean, I should know just in phrasing it that way, you know, that that probably there are some security issues there. But I was talking with my pastor coach, Jimmy Dodd, about building a building. We think it's time to build a building, but gosh, you know, what if, what if we put all of our money into a building and something doesn't work? And he stopped me and it said, it sounds like you have, that you sleep easier 
knowing you have money in the bank than knowing you have God in heaven. Is that true? Is that true of you? Do you sleep easier knowing you've got money in the bank than knowing you've got God in heaven? And I said, yeah, actually, I think I do. There are many nights I go to sleep, and because the balance is good, I feel like everything is good. The balance gives me more peace than knowing God is in heaven. Every night I go to bed, I should be thinking, well, is God still in heaven? Yes, okay, then everything's good. And he said, you've got an idol. You, you, have, you have begun to place your security in something other than Jesus. So how, how can we know what we place our security in? What, do you, what makes you sleep better at night that has nothing to do with God? That, that could be an idol. Um, what will you put your spiritual disciplines on the back burner for? What will you every time miss church for because this thing is important? What will you every time miss small groups for because this thing is more important? What will you every time miss your quiet time of reading your Bible and praying for because this is more important? Those can be things that reveal some misplaced security. What steals all of your peace? Uh, what, you know, what are the things that doesn't allow you to be at peace because they're off in your life? Even though when God, even though God is, is on in your life, when these things are off, you just have no peace. You have no joy. I'm reading a Proverbs devotional right now by Tim Keller, and we're in a section on family in that. And he talks about how in a lot of traditional societies, families become idols. They are the most important thing. They are identity. They are security. They are what drives people. And family is great until it replaces God. Um, and, and then it can become an idol. It can become misplaced security. Because here's what I know about every family member of mine, every family member of yours, every family member of Jason and Michelle who are sitting here with us. Uh, every one of our family members 100 years from now will be gone. Every family member of everyone at this table, probably every family member of everyone listening to this podcast, unless you've got a one or two year old that's going to you know, be one of those people on Good Morning America because they celebrate their 102nd birthday, um, they're, they're all going to die. So that we can't place our security in them. Can we love them? Yeah. Can we serve them? Yeah. But can can we place our ultimate security in them? No. They're not. They're not meant to be that for us. It's not who they are. So we've got to place it in God. So those those are things. In Laodicea, it was their money. God said, "You think you're rich, so you don't need me." Um, Christians say, "I'm rich because I have God," and really, I, I I have everything else that I need. So that's the first area to examine ourselves is what we place our security in, and then Jesus teaches the church at Laodicea, the next one, it's how we live our life. Uh, The question for you I have for this is, uh, what are several areas in our life that we should honestly evaluate to make sure we are not conforming or looking like everyone else? Yeah, I've got four here, and they all start with S just to kind of make people remember them. Um, One is spirituality. There ought to be an element of spirituality in your life. There There ought to be this thought that you believe in something bigger, that you live for something bigger, that you're pursuing something bigger. There ought, there ought to be, I know our next question is about Christian worldview, but there ought, to be, there ought to be something bigger in your life that drives you. There ought to be a spirituality that is a part of your life. Secondly, sin. There ought to be less sin in your life. There ought to be a rejection of sin. Uh, there ought to be a disdain for sin. And there should be a separation from sin in your life. That people should just look at you and realize everyone else talks like this, drinks like this, um, acts like this, lives like this, and you don't. Why? Not in not a judgmental spirit towards people, but just a you know just a stepping away from sin in our life. Our life should look different in those areas. Our schedule. 
should look different. Uh, because Christians, you know, our life revolves around Jesus and what his schedule would be for us, which means our evenings are, are given to our families. Our Part of our Sabbath is always given to our God. Part of our week is always given to serving and comforting and being served and being comforted by other Christians. And, you know, part of every day is is given to, you know, spending some time with Jesus. And then our sacrifice, how we give, how we serve. Um, there ought to be an element in Christianity that, that these people don't live for themselves. They live for others. And you can see that in the way they sacrifice. Uh, how we live our life should look different. And it should look different in a way that is attractive and impactful to people on the outside who are watching. How we live our life should draw people to who Jesus is. That was strong. That's that's memorable. Let's let's jump to the third thing quickly. Um, the third is this: how we see things in life, and this is what you were talking about—the spiritual wor- worldview. Perhaps some listeners have heard of that 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 phrase. I we should have a spiritual worldview or a biblical worldview. Um, what is that, and how can we have greater awareness of this spiritual worldview in our lives? Yeah, so Colossians 3, 2 was a, was a verse we quoted in this week's sermon. Set your mind on things above. A spiritual worldview is a heavenly mindset. Uh, a spiritual worldview recognizes there's purpose because we have been created by somebody who's on mission. Uh, a spiritual worldview recognizes authority uh, because we believe that there's one who's ultimately good and, and they have a, a way they want us to live our life. Um, a spiritual worldview is one that's directed. We believe that we've got a book of special revelation of God telling us the way that, that we are shaped. It is our owner's manual, right? The one who created us should be the one we look to to say, how do I work? You know, what, what buttons do I press to do the things you have created me to do? Um, a spiritual worldview is just, it's a constant acknowledgement of God. It's a constant acknowledgement of his word. It's a constant acknowledgement of his will. It's a constant acknowledgement of his mission. It's a constant acknowledgement of his truth. And it's just processing every situation in life through the lens of who God is, what God says, uh, how God sees things, for the reality that one day we'll be with God, for the reality that how I live my life today will have eternal consequences, good or bad, um, a spiritual worldview is just it's setting our mind on things above. It's just constantly acknowledging that we live before a God that one day we will live forever with for those of us who have connected to him through Jesus. Right. And that takes time to develop, right? That that doesn't happen overnight. It, you have to constantly be aware of that presence in your life, correct? Constantly. And that's that's why the daily quiet times, that's why the weekly small groups. That's why the weekend church services, it's why all those things are so important because they help you learn what that looks like, what that feels like, uh, what that sounds like in your spirit, uh, all of those things. So Pastor Christian, as we draw near to the end of this podcast, there may be some listeners right now that may be feeling disheartened after hearing those three areas that we just discussed. Uh, Maybe they're thinking, I have so much more room to grow in all of these areas. You've said that there's an invitation for us through this letter, and that invitation is is this, that Jesus does not stop pursuing those that he loves. In fact, Revelation 3.19 states, those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. Can you unpack that for us just a little bit more and discuss how this should be an encouragement to the person that might be thinking, I feel useless? Yeah, you get to the end of this letter, right? And, and you read a letter written to a church, it's the only letter that doesn't have one good thing said, 
right? I mean, Jesus, he doesn't say one good thing about Laodicea. They're all kind of bad things. And then he gets to the end of the letter, and and you're waiting on him to drop the mic and blow up the church, right? I mean, it's like, you do this wrong, 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 so you're all going to go to hell. Like, that's that's so many of us, that's our spiritual experience growing up of Jesus. If we disappoint him that much, then it's over. But here we get to the end of the letter, and it's like, you do this wrong, you do this wrong, you do this wrong, you do this wrong, you do this wrong. However, I'd still like to be a part of your life because I can because ch- I can change that. So we see at the end of this letter, you know, uh, an invitation to be in relationship with Jesus. The truth is this, the only thing that allows you to change what you place your security in, the only thing that allows you to change how you live your life, the only thing that allows you to see life differently is Jesus. And we get to the end of this letter and he and he's offering himself to us. Hey, I'd still like to be in relationship with you. Several years ago, there was a movie out um several other years ago, probably less than that, there was a TV show out called Limitless. Did you ever watch that show? It was about this pill that just like basically turned on the other 90% of your mind that science says that, that we don't use. Bradley Cooper was in the movie. The The show on television was kind of short run, but there was a pill called NZT. And when you took this NZT, like for 24 hours, your brain operated at its fullest function. You could read books by just glancing at them. You remembered everything you saw and that you heard. And basically, in, in the movie and in the television show, these guys leveraged it to make lots and lots of money because they just became, while they were on this pill, they became just the greatest human being, the smartest human being, the most powerful human being in the world. But when the pill ran out, the power ran out. Um, Jesus is the spiritual thing that turns your life on spiritually. If you have Jesus in your system, if you have Jesus in your spirit, you're going to change where you place your security. You're going to change how you see things. You're going to change how you live. But you can't do it without him. You can't do it by trying hard. You can't do it by just going to church. You can't do it by just memorizing some scripture. You have to be connected to Jesus. The good thing is if you get Jesus in your spiritual system, he changes everything. And the good news at the end of this at the end of this letter to this church is Jesus says, you've got me. You've got me if you want you. Here I am. I've not run away. I've not come to bulldoze the church. I am still waiting on you to engage in a relationship with me. If even one of you will open the door, you can have me in your spiritual system, and then you get everything else too. This letter to the church at Laodicea has been powerful. This has been an incredible series, Pastor Christian. I just have two quick final questions that you can just rapid fire. Uh, what, what's been your greatest takeaway or challenge from this series? And, and would you just take, give us a sneak peek at our next series coming up? Yeah, I think I said this a few weeks ago on the podcast, the fact that Jesus knows our deeds uh, that Jesus looks at our churches and he doesn't he doesn't just look at decisions he looks at deeds he looks at how people are living their life how people are growing spiritually how people are moving spiritually so i think that's probably the biggest impact for me i want to be a church whose deeds whose inner heart motives are healthy are growing are maturing and as a church we we have to figure out how to do that we have to figure out how to make sure our people get it so that they have Jesus and are moving forward with him, not just in the impact that we have in our community, but on the impact Jesus is having in our lives and in our heart, especially in regard to his truth um, and how he wants us to see him, follow him, love him, trust him. Uh, those have all been huge deals for us. And a big part of helping us do that is understanding the work of the Holy Spirit in our life. Our next series is called Supernatural. It's all about capturing the power of the Holy Spirit in Revelation 
the apocalypsis of Jesus, the revelation of Jesus. We meet Jesus in every chapter, in every book. But Jesus said in John 16 that he was going to go away to the Father, and he was going to give us the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said, it's better for you that I go away, because having the Holy Spirit in your life is better than having me in your life. You think, how can anything be better than having Jesus in our life? That's what we're going to study about. Jesus is the Holy Spirit as a part of our soul when it comes into our life can connect us to Jesus 24 hours a day, seven days a week, every day for the rest of our life, every believer on the world at once. Jesus was one person. He could interact with as many people as he could see, touch, and feel at one time. The Holy Spirit has the opportunity to connect the whole world to Jesus at one time. And if we can begin to figure out when the Holy Spirit's speaking to us, when it's leading us, when it's rebuking us, when it's challenging us, we can realize how we can communicate to and connect with God on an every moment basis of our life. And hopefully we can develop that spiritual worldview. Hopefully we can develop that security in Jesus. Hopefully we will change the way that we live our lives. That's what's coming up starting October 21. And I'm really excited for the few weeks that we'll spend studying the work, the doctrine, the power of the Holy Spirit. Pastor Christian, once again, thank you for taking the extra time to record this podcast each week. And I'm really looking forward to our next series on the Holy Spirit. Um, We want to thank you for listening as well. If you've enjoyed and have been challenged by this podcast, let me encourage you to share it with all of your friends and and make sure you rate and review us on iTunes or Google Play. This will really help us get the word out about this resource. We, We look forward to catching you next time on the Activate Podcast as we challenge you to build a faith that is active. Thank you for listening to Activate with Pastor Christian Newsom, a podcast of Journey Church International. If you are ever in the Kansas City area, we would love for you to join us for one of our Sunday worship experiences. You can find out more information about JCI on our website at takethejourney.cc. If you have enjoyed this podcast, please show your support by subscribing, rating, and reviewing on iTunes or Google Play. We would love for you to help us get the word out about this resource. Don't forget to share this episode with all your friends on social media. Thanks again for listening, and we will catch you next time on the Activate Podcast.